Good morning, church. My name is Terry, and I am not Todd. I got two things to say about that. I am not Pastor Todd Tool, and I'm grateful for it. Uh, and number two, I often play him on television. Um, Todd's my friend. This church is my friend, but I am here to help launch Connections Continue. And it's my privilege to be able to share with you and see a lot of friends. I've known some of you guys uh, a few years, uh, pastored not too far from here. And uh, now God is opening up tremendous doors that I can go into different churches like this one and help them with uh, their needs for capital projects and consulting and stewardship awareness. Um, we're going to talk some about money, but I promise you it won't hurt. Uh, in fact, just to ease the pain, turn to the person beside you so that nobody's surprised and say, he's going to talk about money. Go ahead. Just All right, so nobody's surprised. Nobody's shocked. But I want you to see how this campaign, quite honestly, that's being launched in two weeks, could literally transform not only this church, but your life. And that's my goal. I shared with the team yesterday afternoon, my goal is not just to help raise funds. My goal is to help raise faith. And I want you in three years to look back on Connections Continued as one of the greatest times in your life of spiritual maturity, of blessing. Church has been through a three-year campaign to help expand and extend this uh, foyer, that wonderful foyer. Most of you guys were hanging out. You were smiling. You were laughing. It was pretty disgusting. Um... But you were having a good time even before we got started in here. And you came in with the right heart and the right attitude. Some of you have come to this church in the last five years. I preached here five years ago and had no space to meet anybody. And I meet more people when I'm here in just a few minutes than I did in several weeks five years ago. But I preached that Sunday on change. I know you won't remember it, even though you were here. I can't remember what I preached last week, much less five years ago. But I thought about it this morning. Change. And why we ought to embrace change. Change is a reality of life. You're not going to change change. Change is going to change you. But how has this church changed? In five years. And I believe it's changed for the good and it's changed for the best. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, you may want to be finding Matthew chapter 5. And I want to talk to you about uh, something that Jesus said that I think is, is truly life-altering. And it's not just true in church. It's not just true in... Uh, business. It's not just true in education. It's universally true. When something is true, it's true all the time. But while you're finding that, let me ask you a simple question. Does it surprise you how selfish people are today? Does it surprise you that we really do live in a self-centered world? The basic motto of our day, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. And somebody said, and then you poison the rest. But that is what some people live by. Americans love three people primarily. Me, myself, and I. Right? The big three. One of the most popular country songs, I just moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and in Nashville, you can't live there if you don't like country. You, you know, and so I've, I've had to like country. And the great philosopher and songwriter, Toby Keith, said it best. I want to talk about me. Do you remember that song? I want to talk, me, I want to talk about my, oh my, my, I can't do it. But anyway, he said what a generation believe. It's about me. We live in a very me-centered culture. And when people live outside of me, they stand out. And Jesus talked a lot about that. Um, someone said this, and this is a great quote. A person all wrapped up in himself makes a mighty small package. A and what's true of a person is also true in a church. There are churches that I know of. They're all wrapped up in themselves. A lot of people come to church thinking, what am I going to get? What's in it for me? That's why they complain when something doesn't go right. Because they're not thinking about what can I give when I come to church. They're thinking about what can I get when I come to church. And Jesus turned that thinking upside down in Matthew chapter 5. Listen to these verses. 
you'll recognize them. He said, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's what the Old Testament taught. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You take out my eye, I'll take out your eye. You bloody my mouth, I'll bloody yours. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know what Jesus discovered? If we live like that, there are going to be a lot of blind, toothless people running around. <laughs> so what did he say? I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. But here's the key verse. I want you to get this. Get it in your heart. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. And give to the one who asked you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. As we launch, connections continue. This is the principle. I want to talk first about the principle of the miracle mile. Jesus said, if he makes you go one mile, go two. Now, you've got to understand, there's a little history to the story. The Jews at this time were in the Roman Empire. The Romans had learned from conquering Persians and others in the region that the best way uh, to take over your enemy is to make him your slave. Don't kill him, just make him your slave. And they enacted certain laws in the Roman Empire, and one of those laws were if a Roman soldier had a heavy pack Historians say maybe 40 to 80 pounds a Roman soldier would carry around from battle to battle, from place to place, city to city. Um, if you were a slave of the Roman Empire, if you were captured by the Roman Empire, you by law had to carry a Roman soldier's pack up to one mile. Now the Jews hated the Romans. And the Jews knew this law when Jesus was describing this principle. If a man forces you to carry his pack, he was most likely talking about a Roman soldier coming down the road, and a Jewish farmer, for example, would be out in the field, and the Roman soldier would force him to carry his heavy pack up to a mile. The Jews so hated the Romans, it said, that they put a mile marker within one mile, exactly one mile, in every direction around their home. So that no matter where a soldier came from, if they had to carry it one mile, they were going to carry it one mile and only one mile. Not one foot more, not one yard more, not one step more. They were going to take it as far as the law said they had to take it. So here comes Jesus on the scene. And Jesus said, if he forces you to carry it one mile, you carry it two. Now you think he got the attention of the hearers that day? I mean, I guarantee you all the deacons woke up when he said that. All the teenagers stopped writing notes. And got off their iPhones. They, they, Jesus had a way of getting their attention. And probably that statement, if they had been dozing before, that statement woke them up. What? You mean these Romans that we hate? You mean this law that we hate? We've got to do more than what the law says? That's exactly right. And that's called the principle of the miracle mile. Or the second mile. And we're going to talk about that this morning because that's really what Connections Continue is about. For those of you who may be new, three years ago, the church had a great need to expand the building. And they really did it right, in my opinion. It's a beautiful foyer, a lot of fellowship space, a conference center downstairs. Um, and it has made a difference in this church because people now have an opportunity to talk, to mingle, to mix with their friends before and after. Um, and you're going to hear the story of how this building has changed lives. I'm not going to be the only one doing the preaching today. I want to introduce to you a very special couple by video. And take just a few minutes and hear their story. Well, guys, I just wanted to say, first off, thank you for being here. 
um, taking time out of your schedule to come and just talk. You guys have been pivotal parts of the growth that we've seen in the church for the last five years through whether that's giving of your money, uh, through tithing, or through giving of your services, just being available whenever we need help. Why exactly do you feel like you need to do that here at this church? Well, I think, first of all, it's our church. Um, we've been here since 2001, and our kids have been here. So it's a big part of our lives, and we want to give back to that. We found that this church has helped us grow spiritually. And actually, in 2003, Wendy and I sat down, and we decided to make changes in our lives. And, and our first change was to tithe. And we have found that well, when we tithe, you sure can't outgive God, and that's for sure. And He has just blessed us and blessed our family. Uh, we have a wonderful family, and uh, and I can go back and think really of the time and how we've grown spiritually, and how we continue to, to grow spiritually, and how, quite honestly, we gl it's, it's we gladly give the you know right to check. Now you said it's been great to see how this church has grown. In your words, what are some of the things that you've seen you know, over the last couple of years that this church is doing and the ways that it's grown? Well, uh, well, this part of the building right here that we're in is a large part. Um, used to be you only had that one little part area. Everybody was crowded in. You either had to go outside to talk to people or you just didn't. You know, you just left. But now that we have this area, we can mingle, talk. It's nice just to get together with people that you don't usually see. Absolutely, and you can sit here and, and have fellowship with one another. And, and before, you were just all bundled in such a small area, and you wasn't able to do that. Now, we're talking about this building. You guys were big parts in the first connection campaign to pay for this building. And, you know, when we built this place, sometimes I think people walk in here and they just see walls. But we didn't just build walls. We built a place for people, like you said, to fellowship to grow in community. And so I guess my question is, what prompted you to give to the campaign and continue that giving? Because you guys, as I, I'm aware, you're continuing to give to our Connections Continued campaign. Well, when we sat and we had first talked about the, what we were going to give over and above our tithe, we, we come up and we okay. said we could do this and we made, it, we made a commitment for three years. We continued that commitment and uh, actually I had sat down, Wendy and I had talked about this, and we talked about after our three-year commitment, well, should we maybe use that towards giving, adding to our tithe and continue on that? And I had actually had spoke with one of the church staff, and Wendy and I had talked about it, that um, we wanted to continue giving because we have just, I mean, our family have really benefited from it. I mean, uh, our son was married was married here, and you know, of course, Wendy could tell you more about it. But what what was really nice was about uh, the bride. I think we were one of the first weddings here, and my daughter-in-law and her bridesmaids and the father all met over here in this area, and it's really nice, and it's just a nice place to get together where nobody can see them yet, but you know, they're together, and it's really nice. Well, it allows the father of the bride to be able Correct. to come right back there in that back room with, with his daughter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they thought about this, and it's, you know, what a, what a nice thing. And, and, and there's been a lot of thought put into mm -hmm. this of families and, and, you know, what it means. And it's, it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience for us. And, and we've just continued. Uh, this is our, what, our fourth year now, mm -hmm. given and, and continued on. And, and, you know, I know one thing, Wendy and I are both very proud that we've been a small part in, uh, in the, the growth of this, in the, yeah, the building of this, of this extension here, of this, of this room. Definitely. Now, you guys, you know, you have a family and you have responsibility and jobs and things like that. And so when you give of your time and when you give to campaign, the campaign and tithing and things like that, it can be a big sacrifice. Um, so if there are people in the church who are questioning whether this is a thing that they should sacrifice their money for, what would you say to them? Definitely don't. If you just come here and look at everybody in the mornings and after church, you can see it, you can feel it. So yeah, I mean, if, you, if they take the time to look and feel, they would definitely notice a difference. 
Not to mention, I think it goes back to, I believe you can't outgive God. And when you, when you give your tithe and offerings and you give it with the heart, the open heart, the blessings just come back. And I think, I feel like you've, the blessings are more than, than the sacrifice could ever be. Okay, I know in our community outreach that we could use some monies and funds to actually help this community more. I know right now, as a deacon in this church, that we're paying $6,000 a month for towards the mortgage of the church. And we could take that money. That's money, if we were able to pay this off, that's money that we could use in this community to get the Lord's word out and help grow this church and let people know that this is a giving church and a wonderful place that they could bring their families and grow with the Lord. Isn't that good? It is a testament to the faith of this church and the couples like this who were willing to step out a little over three years ago so that we could enjoy what we have. That's the principle of the miracle mile. Doing more than what's expected. We're just not going to give. We're just not going to tithe. We're not going to just show up one day a week. We're going to do that much more. Now, folks, it's very true in church. But it's very true all over. Have you thought about this? If you're a business owner, you're not going to have a very successful business if you think you're just going to work eight hours a day. If you're a student, you're not going to make very good grades if you think you can just do the minimum required of class participation and involvement. You're not going to be a very good athlete if you're not willing to put in the extra time in preparation and training and all the things that you do. I don't care what area it is. If you're not willing to be a second miler and do more than what is required by the letter of the law, you're never going to experience the greatest blessing. Someone said best, getting out on a limb is where all the fruit is. And Sometimes you have to get out on that limb. And you have to be willing to do more than what is required. That's exactly what Jesus was trying to say. If a man forces you to go one mile, go with him two. If he slaps you on one cheek, turn to him the other. Whatever is required, whatever you expect is the minimum, be prepared to do double duty. Can you imagine how much day-to-day life would be different if people practiced the second mile? If they weren't always trying to get something from you, always trying to get you under some kind of contract or some kind of arrangement? I heard about a uh, farmer, he didn't live too far from here actually, he went in to buy a car. Went into the auto dealership, he picked out the car that he, think, uh, that he thought he wanted, and uh, everything he thought was settled until he sat down with the business manager. Now, if you've ever experienced this, you know exactly what he went through. Now, if you're a business manager in an auto dealership, we love you. We love you on Sunday morning. But on Monday morning, you make us nervous. Well, sure enough, this farmer went in, he thought he was paying one price for the car, and then... He saw all the add-ons, all the extras, all the financing charges and everything else. Well, as fate would have it, the next week, the business manager at the auto dealership came to buy a cow from the farmer. And the farmer thought he'd get a little even. The manager said, well, how much is this cow? He said, well, sticker price is $400. Two-tone extra paint on the outside, $45. Extra stomach, $75 each. Produce storage department, $60. Dispensing device with four spigots, $15 each. Genuine cowhide upholstery, $125. Dual horns, $15. Automatic fly swatter, $35. Add to that farmer's fee, tax, title, license, and insurance. I can let you have that baby for $1,295 drive out. Now, folks, listen, that's, that's the world we live in, right? We live in a world, I call it a legal limit or a loveless legalism and a minimum morality. What do I have to do to get by? You know, somebody said average is just as close to the bottom as it is to the top. And some people settle for a settle for life. But Jesus was telling his first followers on the hillside that day 
outside of the region of Galilee, if you are going to be my followers, I'm not interested in you fulfilling the letter of the law. That's all they knew. The Pharisees were fastidious law keepers. That's all they did was keep the law and make others keep the law. Jesus said, I'm not into law. I'm into love. I'm not into going the first mile. I'm into going the second mile. And somehow we need to learn that. And churches need to learn that. And families and fathers and moms and brothers and employees and employers and educators and everybody. Politicians need to learn it. Amen? Let's not just live by the letter of the law. Let's not just uh, perform when the press is in the room. Let's go the extra mile. Let's be second milers. See, that's the principle of the miracle mile. Do more than what is required. The practice of the miracle mile is simply this. It's to do more than what is required. Look down at verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than the others? Do not even the pagans do that? See, I believe here's what he's saying. If you just love those who love you, if you just help those who help you, if you just give to people who give to you, if you're just nice to people who are nice to you, if you only forgive those who say, I'm sorry, if you just obey the letter of the law, just what is required, you are no more and no better than the average red-blooded American atheist. He's saying, I want more. I want you to go to a higher level, a deeper level. But if you can give to those who can't give back, if you can share with those who have nothing, if you can help those who can't help themselves, and if you do more than what is required, you personify the spirit of the living God. You're real then. You're relevant then. You're relational then. And you can be my follower and my disciple. But he's saying you've got to do more than what's expected. You can't live in that one mile stuff. You've got to go to the second mile. Now that's the principle of the miracle mile, the practice of the miracle mile. I want to talk to you in a minute, and we'll wrap things up with the power of the miracle mile. What is it going to do for you? And I'll sum it up in one word. But I want you to hear a story continued. Um, this couple was shocked when um, Blake surprised them. And Pete surprised them with some other testimonies of God's goodness. I want you to see what happened next. Well, guys, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me today. Uh, I just wanted to say personally, thank you. Um, you know, it's funny because, you know, I've known your wife for quite some time now, a little bit longer than you. And uh, you've always been one to give your love, always, and make me feel loved. Um, but you are a great example for me here in this church um, and the way that you guys give is a good example for people my age and younger and even older um, to see the fruit of giving and so just thank you from the bottom of my heart and I know that that isn't really worth um, all the things that you do like I can't say thank you enough and so because I can't by myself uh, I have a few friends here who would also like to say thank you to you guys tonight so they're going to be coming First up, we've got Kevin and Amber. You guys? Hi, guys. Hello, how are you? Good to see you. <laughs> Sorry to make you wait. <laughs> so, I know you guys know a little bit about us. Um, I've been coming here all my life, um, but as a couple, we've been coming together for about 12 years. Um, and the first half of those years, we really weren't that involved. Um, when we did come, we kind of just left after church, you know, there wasn't anywhere to really go and meet people or socialize. So. Yeah, I mean, you, you remember just as well as us that when you came out of this, this sanctuary, it was a little box. And it was, there was, you were, we were packed in like sardines, shoulder <laughs> to shoulder. And the last thing you wanted to do was to try and stop traffic to, to chit chat with somebody. So we basically 
came to church when we did, and we, and we left, and we, and we weren't connected in, at all. And, you know, when these walls came down, both, you know, physically and, and sort of metaphorically, you know, it, that's when we started to connect. And that's where we were lacking in our walk is we, you know, we weren't connected. So we were able to, all of a sudden, we have this, this space that you can sit and talk with somebody, meet new people and, and, and get connected, friends. make friends and find out that people are funny people, goofy people, people that have problems, the same regular kind of problems, people. regular yeah. people. Absolutely. People have problems just like us, both in normal life and in their Christian walk. And, and it took those kinds of connections that, for us to grow, grow in our faith. And the next thing we know, we're, we're you know, joining a Bible study. We're, we're volunteering our time to the children's ministry, to the youth, marriage to marriage group, to mobs, and a dozen other things. And, uh, you know, and you and I are serving as deacons together Amen. now. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing. And, but for us, the most important thing that we see is, is how it has changed our, our children and our family as a whole. And, and earlier this year, our, our son Riley gave his life to Christ. And I had a, the, the ability to baptize him. And ultimately, it comes down to us being connected. And, and, and because of this space, we were able to do that. So we're here to say thank you guys for sacrificing, for giving, because ultimately, it's your sacrifice that has changed our lives. So we just... We just thank you. <laughs> so I don't know if you know, but we are, we're not from northern Kentucky originally. We're from the western part of the state. So when we moved up here, we searched for about four years trying to find a home church. And uh, it was on our way to our oldest soccer game one Saturday that we saw Burlington Baptist. And we thought, well, let's give this a shot. So um, we started coming and really enjoying it. And... You know, it was like they said earlier, it's a, it was a one-way-in, one-way-out kind of system. There really wasn't anywhere to really socialize and to meet new people, and, you know, that was kind of what we were looking for. Um, so, you know, this, this space that has been created, um, it has really changed our life. Um, you know, we have become super involved in the church. There are some weeks that one of us is up here almost every single night doing something, and um, you know, I think because of that, we've made so many friends, we've made so many great relationships, and because of that, this church feels like home to us now. And that was something that I didn't know that we might not ever find. Um, and I'm just glad that our three boys are going to have that. We were coming home from school yesterday, and Isaac was like, Mom, I hope God never tells us we have to leave here. Because... Aww. I mean, all his friends are here, you know, and, and we feel the same way that just this is our family just as much as our regular family. Um, and also just the building, the space that we have. Mops is one way that I got involved with this church because um, I was a new mom and they asked me, you know, to come to the meeting. And before we had to meet in the old fellowship hall in the dark dungeon and you couldn't even hardly see who you're talking to. And so now we have the beautiful space downstairs and we can meet and we have like 30 plus moms, you know, that come and we're almost at capacity in that room. So just having a new space that we can do things like that is amazing and we just thank you for your constant contribution to that. And when we first came here, really, until this base was built, the only people we were really connected to were the people in our Sunday school class. Because those were the ones that we really had time and the ability to get to know. It, it was the space. It was come in to church, go out the door. This space, you know, it provides a glue to hold the church community together. So, thank you. Okay, well, three years ago, I was going through a really difficult time, and I was searching for a new church home. I tried to hold it together, because that's what I was supposed to do. That's what God told me to do. My mom told me about Burlington Baptist's divorce care class, and I was able to come and meet people who knew what I was going through. And I was able to uh, connect with the church a little bit. started bringing my kids to church we would come to service, and at the time we didn't have the space, so we just would leave. We weren't really connecting with people. Um, after the space was built, we were able to stay after church and meet people and connect with people. The divorce care class was able to move to the new 
uh, conference room, mm -hmm. and we were able to have up-to-date technology, comfortable space to have good discussions. Um, I, I'm also part of a small group that uses the space for social events. So thank you. Um, we came from a very small church. We were very involved. Um, coming in here to these doors, uh, very overwhelming. We were nervous, scared. It was huge. Um, so we were nervous about meeting new people, being able to connect um, with all of the groups that they have here. We were involved in the marriage group, and we actually were able to meet here to have our class. It was uh, very intimidating coming into a church this size because we were big thing we're talking about is how are we going to be able to connect because our last church, everybody knew each other. And I said, the size of this is just way too big. We're not going to be able to make, you know, close connections. And then through faithful giving that you guys have done and others like you, uh, two of my three kids have gone and made their profession of faith. And like Kevin, I was able to baptize them. And that was probably one of the happiest moments of my life. And um, I want to thank you for that. And also, like Stacy said, with the marriage class, Sometimes when you serve and serve and serve, you, you kind of lose focus at home. But through the marriage class, we're able to tighten our bond. And it was, our marriage wasn't uh, in jeopardy of failing, but we were getting disconnected and this really tightened us up. Um, well, my name's AJ and my story is a little bit different than everyone else's. Um, I didn't grow up here. I haven't been coming here very long. Um, about a, actually about a year um, it's been since I've started coming to Burlington Baptist. And, I grew up in a church, um, and it was like my whole world. I was super involved in the youth group, um, and then unfortunately that church split, and it really broke my heart. Um, and I left the church, and I left God, and for about seven years, um, I kind of just completely walked away from my relationship with Christ. And it was during that really kind of pivotal point in my life too, when I was going to off to college and stuff, and you know the time in my life where I really needed uh, to have a relationship with Christ I didn't have. Um, and so I, during that time, I looked around at different churches, but just nothing felt right, nothing felt comfortable. And then I um, came to Burlington Baptist. I you know, was invited by um, one of my old youth ministers, and I just came in. I knew this place was different. The space um, made me feel comfortable, made me feel welcomed. And I think the beginning feelings is really what led into um, me wanting to be here. Um, and so I just want to say thank you for your giving. Um, this space, you know, we have transitions on Wednesday nights and being able to find that connection with people my own age is something that I've been longing for for so long. So it's just a really amazing thing. So I want to say thank you um, from the bottom of my heart for you know, your giving and your faithfulness and um, just allowing us to have these awesome spaces here. So thank you very much. So guys, I know that that was probably a little overwhelming. A little. Kind of surprised you, yeah. Um, how do you want to respond to that? I mean, is there anything that you guys want to say? You know, this is just overwhelming. We, we love this church, and I can tell you that, obviously, given to this church, you can see the difference that it's made in people's lives. We've heard that, it, and we started with how it made a difference in our life, but, you know, we didn't realize it, the difference that it's making in other people's lives. And... It just touches my heart. Praise God. And, and that's what we're here for. We're here to spread the word that Jesus Christ is our Savior. And this is where a church that you can be loved. And if, if you have, you're broken, you can come here and find love. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. Well, thank you guys for giving us the opportunity tonight to see that Every dollar that you give, whether that's towards the campaign or tithing, is not just a dollar given, but it's a life changed. So from this church, thank you guys so much. I told you you'd like that. Nothing changes a life like seeing a life changed. And I know from time to time churches, by necessity, need to talk about budgets and buildings and programs and needs and all of that. But don't you see, it's another opportunity for us to go that extra mile. And by the way, if you're thinking, well, 
I don't want to be a part of a church that's in a building program or a capital needs campaign or doing fundraising or whatever. I, trust me, you go down the street, the next church will do it too. And any church worth being a part of always has a need. But it's because that's the way God stretches us. And that's the way God takes us from one mile to the second mile. But here's the great power of the miracle mile. Are you ready for this? Attitude. It changes your attitude. Folks, this really isn't about just raising dollars. It's about raising faith. It's about raising commitment. I learned as a pastor a long time ago, I can't grow the church. Uh, I can't save people. I had a little child come to me one time and said, Brother Terry, Pastor Terry saved me. I couldn't save a termite from eating poison wood. I don't save people. God does. But I can point him to the one who can. And that's what we do. That's, we, keep, we keep encouraging people and growing people. God grows the church. We grow the depth. God grows the breadth. <coughs> but sadly, some people in some churches, they bootleg a blessing. They take the blessing of a new space, a new facility, a new staff ministry, a new staff position, a, a, a great sermon, and they bootleg a blessing. They're one-milers. I'm going to do what I have to be, do. I'll show up for that hour. Preacher, bless me if you can. But the real joy, and those of us who have taken an extra step of commitment, we don't come just on Sunday mornings, we're willing to come back on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights or serve or take on a class or pass a plate or work in the parking lot or sing in the choir or play an instrument. We go the extra mile. We all know that's where the great attitude is. And that's the difference between a church that's a happy church and a grouchy church. And I've been in both. I've pastored both. I know what leads to great attitude. Have you just ever met church people that are just always happy and always friendly and always smiling and always nice? It's, it's, it's disgusting. I, if I want to be grouchy, I want to be grouchy. Don't make me be nice. But seriously, we don't, want, we don't want to hang out with people who are like that. We want to hang out with happy people. Happy people are the second milers. Successful people are second milers. Great churches are built in the second mile, not the first. That's why one of the greatest things you could be doing in the next three years as a church is to stretch and challenge and ask for over and above giving. Now, the numbers are there in your worship folder. There's a frequently asked questions list. If you have other questions, obviously see me, see our leadership team, the staff. We'll get you the right answer to whatever question you may be having. But here's the bottom line. The church about three plus years ago launched this expansion of the atrium which does so much good and has, in my opinion, radically changed the culture and the atmosphere of Burlington Baptist. It's helped reach many, many more people, but there's still a financial need. And there's two choices. The church can keep paying that out of the budget to the tune of about $6,000 a month for 20 years, or you can connect continued. Press and push and expect for more connections in the future, but get rid of that $6,000. And to do that, you can't take what you're presently giving and just switch it over. That won't help. We're asking you to pray about what can I do above and beyond. What can I do in the second mile that will help God's will be accomplished in greater, greater ways? Can you imagine what could be done if $6,000 a month is freed up for ministry? Can you imagine when that next building or that next need is facing you, you now have virtually no indebtedness so that you can do whatever God leads and be prepared and positioned for the future? If you've got kids or grandkids that are going to be in this church, in this community for a while, this is a great investment. But it's in the second mile, not the first mile. You know, remember, the Jews had to pack had to carry the pack one mile. Jesus said, take it two. Now here's the difference. In the first mile, you're the victim. You're the slave having to do what the law said. In the second mile, you're now the victor. In the first mile, you're being controlled. In the second mile, you're in control. In the first mile, that's the law mile. In the second mile, it's the love mile. The first mile only makes you bitter. The second mile makes you better. 
The first mile, you're the conquered. The second mile, you're the conqueror. The first mile is drudgery. The second mile is victory. That's why I call it the miracle mile. You can't go the second mile with a bad attitude. The second mile makes you put a smile on your face and a bounce in your step and a twinkle in your eye. Because if you have a bad attitude, you'll stop at the one mile mark every single time. Kimmons Wilson was the founder of the Holiday Inn Hotel chain. At one time, it was the largest in the world. He used to have a saying, the only thing you need to be successful in business is to work 12 hours or half a day, either the first 12 hours or the second 12 hours. You've got to be willing to do a little bit more. Henry Ford was a brilliant businessman, a little eccentric. He bought the Lincoln Company in Detroit when it was losing money, <coughs> and he vowed to the stockholders he could turn it around. One day he asked someone to cut down a tree and brought a log and placed it just outside the front door of corporate headquarters. All the executives, all the secretaries, all the administrative staff, everyone stepped on, over or around the log. Nobody moved it. The next week he put it right in front of the elevators. Sure enough, one by one, stepped around it, stepped over it, but didn't move it. Three weeks that log stood or, or sat in that uh, headquarters building. He gathered all of his top executives. He pointed out what he had done, told them why he had done it, and fired every one of them. See, there are a lot of people, they'll say, that's not my job. That's not in my job profile. That wasn't in the syllabus. Is that going to be on the test? What time do I get off? What are the benefits? How much can I get away with and still get to heaven? That's a loveless legalism. That's a minimum morality. That's a go along to get along way of living. And it's not what our master requires. He wants the second mile. That's the joy. That's the fulfillment. That's the success. That's the victory. It's the, it's the greatest key that I know of that unlocks the real blessing of God. So here's what I would challenge you with today. And I believe God brought me all the way from Nashville to tell you today. Don't bootleg a blessing. Don't rob yourself of a blessing. By finding that one mile mark and then dropping the pack. Don't drop it now. You participated in the last campaign. God blessed you personally. Participate in this one. You're not going to be pressured to give. Nobody's going to give you a number. But there are some people you could give a great amount. God's blessed you and God will bless you. But be willing in two weeks at the pastor's challenge to say for three years... I'll commit by faith to a number or to a way of giving. Some people will give by what they give up. They'll say, you know what, I'll, I'll not buy that new car in three years. I'll drive the one I've got and just ask God to keep it running. Or I'll forego that special vacation maybe a little longer. Or maybe I'll give something up. You can give a whole lot more than you probably think you can give if you really pray about it. Talk to your family. Let one idea feed off the next. Make it a family project. And say, by God's grace, we're going to do something great so that the kingdom of God flourishes and is stronger than ever before. Let me paint two scenarios for you and then I'm finished. Imagine scene number one, Jesus' day. A Jewish farmer is out in the field and over the horizon he sees the Roman soldier coming. He's seen them before. They all look the same. They're tired. They're weary got this heavy pack of gear and weapons and food and rations and he's walking on those hard dirt pathways in those sandals and he knows what's coming the soldier sees him and thinks oh, maybe for at least a, a mile I'll get a break hey old man get over here you know the law little Jewish farmer scampers over says pick it up so sure enough, the Jewish farmer picks that heavy backpack up and he begins to trudge one step after another. Never says a word. His teeth are clenched. 
He gets to that one-mile mark that he preset from his home. He slams the pack down. He says, I got one more thing to say to you. I had to carry this pack for one mile, and I'm not taking it one step further. Right now, you're in charge, and I'm the slave, but one day it's going to be different. And God help you if it ever changes. And he walks back. That's scenario number one. Here's scenario number two. This uh, Jewish farmer just heard Jesus talk about this uh, in the Sermon on the Mount in Galilee. He sees the same Roman soldier. This time he comes by, he goes to the soldier, not is summoned by the soldier. He says, hey, that looks heavy. Can I help you with that? Soldier says, of course. You know the law. Take it. He puts it on his back, and then he strikes up a conversation during the journey. So where are you from? Oh, I've heard of that place. So tell me about your family. How many kids do you have? Really? I have two myself. Yeah, I don't know if the crop will be as good this year as it normally is. Where do you think you'll be next? Before he knows it, a mile has come and gone. The soldier stops thinking, this is it. This is all I can make him carry my pack. (laughs) The farmer says, you know what? I don't uh, think I can, uh, I don't think now's the time to break off our conversation. How about if we just keep going together? I feel pretty good. And he walks at least another mile, maybe further. And in that course of conversation, the shocked Roman soldier can't believe what he's seeing and he wonders what's up. (laughs) And finally, their conversation is done. And he hands the pack back over to the Roman soldier. And then the Roman soldier said, I've just got one question. Why did you carry it so far? Why did you do this? You didn't have to. In fact, I've enjoyed the conversation. I'm glad I met you. You know what the Jewish man is able to say then? (laughs) I carried your pack this far because Jesus told me to. You think that Roman soldier wants to hear about Jesus now? You think that farmer will ever be the same? Do you think that Roman soldier will ever be the same? Folks, now it's a miracle mile. It's going above and beyond the letter of the law. And I promise you, if you try it, you'll like it. God will receive the glory you'll receive the blessing. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Kent and the team is going to come and they're going to sing a song that I promise you, you will recognize. But just while we're wrapping up the service, and Kent sings these words, if you want to sing along, you can. But would you think about all the people who sacrificed for you? Mom, dad, a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, a co-worker, a neighbor. We, listen, there is no success in life without sacrifice. You can't be successful in anything if you are not willing to sacrifice or others are not willing to sacrifice around you. That's the beauty of a church. We come together, imperfect people in an imperfect world, but we go the extra mile. You're, you're selling yourself short. If you just give a little now and then when you feel like it. Or even if you just tithe because the Bible says to. But if you're willing to go above and beyond, greater love has no one than this than he would lay his life down for his friends. (coughs) So again, in two weeks you'll have the opportunity to do something very tangible. But as we wrap this service up, think about all those who have given to you. And heaven one day will reveal it. Can't sing this chorus. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad.
Pastor Todd, the leadership team, thank you for what you've given. And let's just keep on giving. Now, I warned you when we started we would be dealing with finances and, and giving. But can I just say this? God wants you more than he wants your money. If you think, oh, that's just it. I, it's the one Sunday I pick, this is what they're dealing with. If you think this is about fundraising, you've missed it. It's about faith raising. And God knows when he has you, he'll have everything in your wallet and everything in your calendar and everything in your house and all your stuff. Would you give yourself to him first and foremost? If you've never become a Christian, now's the day. The time to step over the line. And say, I'm going to be a Christ follower. I'm going to follow this one we know is Jesus. Believe him as Savior and Lord. I'm going to let him be the boss and the master of my life. And I'm going to grow. I'm going to learn. That's just the first step, the one of many, in making him Lord of your life. Blake, I want to invite you to come. One of our staff pastors. He'll be leading the service tonight. Pray for me. I'll share the same thing. All three services today, and it's a great opportunity. But if you want to give your life to Christ, join this church fellowship, um, have someone pray with you. If you'd like to celebrate communion, just a brief moment to celebrate the shed blood and the broken body of our Lord. I think there's a place upstairs you can do that in the balcony as well. That's a time for you. you How about everybody give a hand for Terry Fields coming and sharing with us today? Uh, guys, I don't want you to leave here with the wrong idea. I know it's really easy for us sometimes to be kind of cynical anytime that we talk about money. You know, this church is just trying to build me for money. Uh, I really hope that you understand the concept that we're not asking for money, but we're calling you to faithfulness. We're giving you an opportunity for God to fill you, for you to be empty to the things that are going to die, to feed something that's eternal, and that's purposeful. I don't know about you, but... Terry said something that really hit me. He said, that first mile is of the law, and the second mile is of love. And it made me think about Jesus. You see, him dying on the cross, that was the first mile, the law. But three days later, Jesus conquered death and sin. That was the second mile where he defeated the grave with love. You see, that's the power of that second mile and living in the second mile. It breaks chains and it changes lives. So as we leave this place, would you guys be people who give out unmerited favor recklessly? Would you stand and pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to come into your house, Lord. And God, as we...